Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as culturally inappropriate and under your bed. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Gavin. Hi there. How are you doing? Gavin, hello. I'm very well, mate. Thank you so much. I'll start by asking you this question. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? How do I introduce myself in social settings? Oh, um, it, it just depends on how introverted I feel on the day. <laughs> yes. Do you find yourself being very introverted on most days? Uh, no, though I do prefer social settings where I actually know people. I'm, I'm not a big fan of just wandering up to people and disrupting them, right? That's what Twitter's for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Everyone wants it's... to be a sea lion online, don't they? I heard you talking about me. <laughs> Let me introduce you to your conversation. <laughs> and there's there's much more. I'm, I'm finding, I don't know what your experience is. There's a, a much many more instances of that these days where you and I can be having a conversation and someone else will just drop in and, I, hey, I have an opinion on this. Sometimes that might be welcome. Sometimes that might not be. Yeah, I actually, it's funny you say that. Um, it's... It's less, it feels to be less welcome these days. Um, in the early days of online stroke Twitter, it was um, it just felt like the norm. And I think that's probably because um, people were sort of newly discovering new people. Um, it was probably the same in the old school forums back in the 90s and that as well. But I'm finding these days that, you know, you, you'd kind of... Um, make a comment in a conversation that even people you know are, are having and... and um, you're less likely to get a response or, or stay within that thread. And I think maybe that's just a, a function of people having um, too many responses in some cases, um, yeah. too many people. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people just being uh, pure and adulterated, um, you know, bleeps. I'm not sure where you are with uh, uh, strong language on this podcast, so I'll try and um, try and, and keep, it, keep it evil. Oh, no, no, you're fine and welcome to express yourself how you feel appropriate, Gavin. Right off, right off. Uh, my, um, I guess, when I have explained Twitter to people in the past, as I've said, it's like you're down the corner pub and everyone's having a conversation, everyone's chatting. So there's lots of things going around and you may be in a conversation with these people and then, you know, that comes to an end or something and then you slot into a conversation over there. That's just sort of the norm. The problem that I'm finding nowadays is that in those conversations, there are some pretty angry people that have gone looking for conversations to just yeah. turn up in and argue with you about stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of tunnel vision, um, uh, which is which is kind of frustrating. I mean, we all fall to it. I mean, probably do it myself quite too much, you know. I spend way too much time on Twitter, as everyone will probably say. But, yeah, um, maybe maybe the quality of the beer in the Twitter pub has uh, declined and it's gone to people's heads faster. I don't know. Yeah, we got to the end of the keg. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to move to a new pub, one that serves proper beer. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I have time to understand a new pub. Gavin, what is your superpower? What do you do really well? Uh, I, that's, I, I don't think I can answer that. I, it's Yeah, I don't have one, I don't think. Mm. you know, I don't believe I have one. I'll let other people answer for me on that one. I 
I do way too many too much of everything, and probably aren't. An, uh, I'm not an expert. I don't feel like I'm an expert in anything, really. How do you how do you balance your time then between being an expert in most things? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I've got what they call ADHD these days or something. I just seem to be constantly having something. Uh, right now. I have one, two, three, four, five, six screens in front of me of all types. And I'm not interacting with all of them, but they're all there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, w- and when you have like three kids and you've got a, a pretty a job and whatever, you, you really want to just kind of use your time very uh, f- efficiently as possible, mm-hmm. I guess, you know? Yeah. Do you... Um... Do you find it difficult to, to balance that, that work and family life stuff or is that pretty easy for you? You can just cut it off and go. I've become better at it, yeah. It used to be really hard, but I've come better at it. Um, I, I really get frustrated with people who aren't able to just focus on, you know, here's the thing that we're doing now and yep. um, because I know I do it myself and I can see how it kind of gets in people's um, faces. Um but but I, I you know I I want people to sort of say well uh, here's the thing we're doing make a decision move on to the next thing and instead um, especially in my job I seem to have a lot of people who just like to talk around things and say they might try and do something rather than just getting out there and sort of saying get it done and if I can't get it done what do I need to do to get it done or who can help me you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. no I've I've dealt with a lot of those people myself yeah. Not very well, but... Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, everyone wants to be nice, and I get, like, there's a bit more, always a bit more complexity, but you don't get to the complexity unless you kind of say, well, there's this one thing that we can do now, and if we can get that done, at least then we can move on to the next thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but on the other hand, I've probably got about 400 things in my mind at any one time, and kind of <laughs> trying to pick one to do it is, is always uh, hard. Yeah. I apologize if I've misunderstood the situation, but from your accent, you sound like you've spent some time overseas. <laughs> yeah, just a bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> give me a couple of years. Actually, this week's a very interesting week because um, yeah. uh, I've got um, an anniversary of my arrival in Australia um, coming up this week. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, on the one hand, I'll say thanks to the um, AFL the Australian Football League, uh, Aussie rules for those people overseas for changing um, the habits of a lifetime and making the AFL Grand Final no longer on the f- last Saturday in, Saturday in um, September. Um, but yeah, I arrived in Australia on a Friday night and the next morning it was the AFL Grand Final in 1998. So yeah, wow. yeah. So that was my kind of first introduction, sitting in a pub on Circular Quay in September 1998. It was stinking hot, I remember. And a uh, terrible team from Adelaide were beaten, I think. I can't remember who else. I had no clue what was going on. I just thought it was amazing. What, I, I looked out the window and I could see the Opera House. And I looked out the other window and I could see the Harbour Bridge. And I said, yeah, this is all right, isn't it? <laughs> and it's not raining. Yeah, it might stay. <laughs> <laughs> what prompted the move? Um... Uh, look, I just came here for a year. Uh, a lot yeah. of people in their mid-20s kind of do that. You know, yep. uh, you you can you could come. I think you can come for two years now. But back in the day, um, used to come for a year. Backpacker visa, we called it. Yeah. Um, I did some work for the first couple of months. Took a break and travel around a bit, and then worked for another three or four months, and then travel around for about three months. And then uh, I was on my way home, and the people, someone offered me a job, stupidly, and uh, I haven't left. Yeah. 
I was going to say, otherwise you've overstayed your visa by 17 years. Uh, 18 years this weekend, yeah. Gosh. I know. That's nearly as long as I lived in Ireland before I came here. To answer your question, actually, I, I'm, I'm, I, like the Billy Connolly thing, like where he starts telling a story and then he kind of goes <laughs> off on multiple tangents for 40 minutes and then comes back and actually finishes the story he started. Yes, to answer your question, uh, I was born and grew up in Ireland and um, give me a couple of years and I'll be living in Australia longer than I was in Ireland. But I'll still keep this accent, probably. Please, please never lose it. It is delightful. Do you have have you been back much, or has it all been? No, I'm here and I'm staying here now. Oh, I've been back yeah, a few times, not as often as I'd like. I I used to say in the early days, and and you know, every now and then I think about it. It'd be nice if you could just pop back for the weekend, you know. Yeah. Uh, which which uh, I kind of did one time when I worked for a company where we had an office in London and. I went to a conference in Europe and then went to the office in London, then popped the cork for the weekend and then came back to London and then back to Sydney. And so I did, I did kind of make that eventually, but I was, suppose I was over there for other things at the time. Well, the, and there is the benefit, let's be fair, from, from London to Ireland in a weekend, completely achievable. Absolutely. From Australia to Ireland, yeah, not so much. So, you know, I was at, a, I was at a, um, an industry event a couple of weeks ago, and um, yeah. there was a guy there from France. He's from Paris. And he was telling me that he had just been in Paris on the weekend. And I said, oh, okay, great. How was that? How long were you away for? And he said, no, I was there for the weekend. So, um, you know, his his wife and kids still live in Paris. So he, he brings them over to, to Sydney um, for a couple of weeks and then sort of drops them back and stays the weekend and comes back. <laughs> I read um, an article by, uh, it, it was easy 12 months ago now, but it was about some of the, the pricing changes on public transport in London uh, and living in London and those sorts of things. And a person did the math working out that if they lived in Spain, they could fly from Spain to whatever airport. I'm not necessarily au fait with that. But live in Spain, fly to London every day, do their job, fly home, and save more money and more time than commuting from the place they were currently living in in England. Yeah, but but at least on the train in England, you don't have to go through the ridiculous security theatre that we have to go through in airports these days, you know? So that 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 bit is kind of painful, but yeah, that's probably possible. Which is kind of it's kind of funny actually because um, my wife's English and her family live um, quite a bit out of London. Uh, you know, yeah. it's it, like it's an hour on the train um, from London, right? Um, but yes. if that was Australia, that would probably be three hours on the train. Um, yeah, which, say, also known as a, a trip to Newtown uh, on a busy peak hour. Yeah, yeah, line. yeah. Where 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 her um her family live or where some of her family live at least is probably um Sydney to maybe north of Newcastle away from London. Um mm. and and yet it takes not much more than an hour to get um from Gosh. door to door. And and you're just going every time you go over there and I know the trains in England are expensive but Crikey, you know, I mean, the the time you save by having a proper public transport system that gets people moving faster than twenty kilometers an hour, you know, like some of the trains do yep. here, is 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 magnificent, you know. So yeah, went off on a went off on a tangent. Sorry. 
No, no, well, they also have a little bit of the economies of scale there, right? In that we've got a sum total 23-ish million people in Australia. Yeah. Whereas in the greater London yeah. area, they've got that and some. Yeah, yeah. Look, England is, or Britain, England especially, uh, as part of Britain, is probably the most densely populated part of Europe. So so that's a fair point. That's a fair point, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, look, I... I Sydney public transport is fine. I shouldn't kind of overly criticise, especially over the last couple of years. They seem to be um, sort of solving some of the problems while making a few others. But yeah, making a few others. I could go on about I could go on about that in ad infinitum, <laughs> but I'm sure your uh, your 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 listeners would get bored after about five minutes. Can I can I ask about um, how you met your wife? You mentioned she's English. Yeah. Did she come out with you on the backpack of visa, or did you trip over her somewhere else? Oh, trip over her. It wasn't quite that, but it was in a pub. It, it was in a pub in Australia, but uh, yeah, no, it wasn't, I didn't trip over her, no. no we were both sober. <laughs> so you meet your... Yeah, no, I met, I met her here. I met her here. I met her here through, um, through mutual friends. That's how it mainly works, isn't it? Gosh, mate. Yeah. You can't even marry into the country, right? Well, you know, Aussies are picky, right? You know, I mean, like, you know, this is like, I mean, how do you explain a country where pretty much everyone here is descended from an immigrant, um, more than half of them less than three generations, and we can be just such terrible people um, to refugees, right? How how does that, like, that that does my head in, right? As someone who's a first generation refugee, um, or I'm not a refugee, God, that's terrible. I left Ireland before the, the, uh, everything exploded about 10 years ago, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a refugee. No, but um, yeah, but as, as a first-generation immigrant, um, mm-hmm. that, that, that just astounds me. It just astounds me how people can be so, um, you know, afraid, because that's what it is, is fear of people yeah. um, who want to actually, you know, see where, what we have is better than what they had, as I did, I guess, um, and, and be so um, discriminatory towards them. It's maddening. It really is. And, and we look at, at a time of recording this week, um, I'm going to say a, a, a bit of a spurious kind of poll appeared. Yeah. Yesterday, the day before, about people's fear of Muslims, air quote. Yeah. Um, and that, of course, has made news, and that, of course, meant that the news cycle changed gears and had people that really... Look, I know that Malcolm Roberts is a senator in this country, and that just scares me. Hey, it's a senator for Queensland. That's where you are from, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't vote for him. <laughs> and, in fact, I think somebody did the numbers. Barely a 1,000 people voted for him in, in number one. So, yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, he gets on the project... And, like, I don't know if anyone's had the chance to see it. I don't know if you saw it, Gavin, but it was the most disconnected, not even, it was barely coherent conversation where he was being asked about, you know, this thing and why he believes that that's the case. And he just, one of his answers was just Sharia law. And it wasn't even a question about Sharia law. Yeah, it was ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, I, I I I can't watch those shows anymore because I don't think they challenge the um, people coming on. I mean, the thing mm-hmm. the thing is, right? Here's the thing: um, I I'm reading opinion pieces from people in, in notionally progressive newspapers. Let's say at the Guardian, right, where we're saying sure. we should be listening to people like Pauline Hansel and their voters. No, no, we shouldn't. They're they're wrong. Right. Mm. Let's stop pretending that these people have opinions worth hearing. Right. Um, yeah, sure. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But if it's wrong, just tell them and move on. 
and mm. stop giving them the time of day. Um, the media is complicit with these guys' success because they do not mm. report what they're saying in a proper manner, in my view. I mean, you had, for example, you have headlines about this guy, uh, Trump, for example, in the US, and I don't want to go political here too much, but um, mm. where they're now celebrating the fact that the New York Times are calling him out. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. You're the news media. You're supposed to be mm. reporting on this objectively sure but that doesn't mean you kind of do a he said she said sort of debate and you never should do that and 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 so i don't know whether that's how journalists have been taught these days or not i'll probably be told uh, by by other people on twitter that you know they're not but this is kind of where we end up where we report someone's terrible opinion like people like roberts and hansen and and you know other people not worth mentioning um as if their opinion is worth the same amount of time as others now they'll say that we have to report this so that people can see how bad they are but the problem is um as as per the poll you just mentioned there um you know there is a percentage of people that will believe them no matter what and actually appreciate them like 20 years ago um this senator for queensland was talking about how the asians were coming in to flood australia and i'm going yeah it's great asians are great look at all the great food we have because of that right yeah you know please. yeah so, um, and I mean, Muslims have be, probably been in Australia before um, Hansen's ancestors were, right? Now, I don't know where she came from and what her ancestry are, but um, there's this thing called, there's a railway that goes between Adelaide and Darwin these, way, these days. The history of that was a thing called the GAN, which is where um, Afghan camels yes. run by Afghan Muslims uh, went between, uh, you know, Alice Springs and, or, and Darwin or, or even maybe down to Adelaide, um, what, 150 years ago? So yep. to say that, you know, I, and in fact, like some would say that um, there's, there was probably Muslim traders from like Indonesia and, and, and like what's now known as India um, coming here three, 400 years ago, right? So, you know, get over yourself. People move around. They've moved over, moved around for thousands of years. We need to stop being insular and we, 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 we are better people globally if we allow ourselves to be exposed to other ideas and other people. Yeah, and I think you've you hit the nail on the head, Gavin. You're right. I, I would only add to that that it's, we probably do need to listen to these people offering these contrary, horrible opinions if only so that we can then say, right, well, you've said this and it's wrong for these reasons. And and this is where journalism is letting us down somewhat because they are reporting the stuff, but they're not then saying, and this is why it's wrong or this is what was said and it's not factually correct. Yeah, let me let me give you an example that that's not necessarily related because I, I don't want to get stuck on this sort of topic um, sure. unless you, you're happy to. Um, there was an article in... Um, a media site, I can't remember which one yesterday that I was reading, and it led with um, there was uh, clashes between protesters and police in Charlotte, North Carolina, immediately after um, American police shot yet another unarmed black man, right? Um, and buried at the bottom of the story was the news um, that um, this guy, who the, the police officer, um, was only on the job for a short period of time, maybe two years or something, right? Um, but more importantly, um, he's suspended without pay. Now, for mine, you know, you, why are you leading with the protests there? Of course, people are yeah. going to protest. So you make the narrative of that story about what the, the police wanted to be, 
rather than what it should be, which is one of their guys has yet again killed an unarmed black man just going around um, his day. Apparently, according to his family, just waiting for to pick up his kids after school. I'm, I'm not sure whether that's true or not, but anyway. Um, yeah. But they are prioritizing the narrative of the police who have who one of their member has perpetrated the crime, right, in my view, over um, the reality of the situation. That is, if you or I, for example, went around in illegal carry society and, and shot some guy, right, um, as part of my job, uh, would I keep my job, right? Would I be able to keep my job on full pay during the period of the investigation, I, I, I dispute that, right? I dispute yeah. that we would. And I think that is the bigger story. Why are these guys not being put on sort of a suspension fine until the investigation is completed, but on full pay and stuff like that, despite them not doing their job? Their job is to protect people, not to kill them. And I think I get they probably got a hard job in relation to sort of other thugs around the place, but they need to stop taking that out on people who aren't um, the thugs, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. so the, the, the media story there is um, why, are, why are the editors of these pieces choosing to lead the narrative based upon um, what I would call the perpetrator's worldview just because they're yeah. the police or they're, they're whatever, right? They need to be more objective in that area, I think. Completely agree. It's... <sighs> anyway, anything more exciting to talk about? Yeah, let's have that conversation over a beer later. <laughs> Um, uh, do, do many of your um, your uh, speakers or, or guests uh, get get lost into things like uh, the footy or technology or anything like that? Is that what your listeners are into? Because I can talk in... about that stuff all day too. <laughs> yeah, we get lost in all sorts of things, Gavin. It's it's a really fun chat. It does offer me the chance to ask you this. Yeah, where is the line between public and private for you? Oh man, that's a hard one. Uh, because I have a, I have other Twitter accounts, or I used to have loads, but I hardly use them anymore. Like, um, so if we just make it about Twitter, because it's called Human of Twitter. So I have a, I have a, a more a, a public work-related one where I only talk about work-related stuff, and I don't kind of hide who I am. But I, I think, um, uh, for me, a pseudonym is important. I, I, mm-hmm. I like my my um, my Twitter account is just me. Right, talking about stuff. It's got no direct relationship with my work or uh, my privacy, and I get to choose what I put in there or not. And mm-hmm. I, I get quite annoyed actually about some people who sort of, you know, some random. I don't even know your name. Why don't you fess up who you are? Um, and that is a response that people have to criticism, right? And you're like, well, but this is, I, I, I my, you're within your rights to ignore me, right? Um, if mm. you don't think I'm a person worth engaging with, that's fine. Um, but don't make it about whether I choose to share my name with you or not, right? Um, yeah. And uh, and so I keep those things necessarily separate, uh, with, with some exceptions. You know, I yeah, I don't hide a whole lot of stuff, uh, but I don't go out there advertising who I work for or what I do for a living in my in my Twitter account because that's not what my Twitter account is about, for example. Sure. So, are you good at keeping those delineations, uh, keeping those those things apart? Ah, it's look. Um, it's very interesting. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, which talked about um, it's a Radio Lab podcast. I don't know if you've listened to mm-hmm. it, and it was about playing God. and And they had this forum with people um, 
in Baltimore, um, trying to help yeah. them, the Maryland people decide um, how to prioritize precious resources in med- medical emergencies, for example. And there's all this discussion about what's black and white and what's not. And, and someone made a very good point. Like, nothing is black and white. Nothing is black and mm. white. So that, that, the line, that line blurs, depending, again, on, on how we're feeling from day to day or how important it is um, to share that around. I mean, I offer that I have the sickness of multiple Twitter accounts, um, but that's in part a choice and one that I don't hold on to. I, I have rules in my head, but I don't stick to them very often. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who does though? I mean, you know, I mean, like in our, in our business, when they first started realizing, look, the people are going to be on Facebook and Twitter and they're probably going to talk about our business. Um, they, they, they defined that very well for me. They, they, they didn't say these are rules. They said, here are some guardrails, right? Like we, we put, we put guardrails on, you know, a balcony or on a stairwell, not, not necessarily to, um, to kind of, so you could grab them all the time or, or to restrict you from doing anything, but to give you some sort of guidance as to what's dangerous and what's not, right? And, and right. I think if we apply that rule to what we do on everything, it's, it's better than sort of drawing lines. Draw, lines move, yeah. um, so, and, and they blur. And I think giving you, your, yourself some cues as to you know, what's good and what's, what, what, or what might not be good, um, for example, um, what might come back to haunt you is probably a, a good way of starting, you know. What's your favourite takeaway food choice? My favourite takeaway food choice? Ooh. Well, that's really interesting. Um, you know, I'm sure the fun thing for progressives in Australia to say at the moment is halal snack pack, but I'm, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, so that's not going to work for me. Um, uh, my takeaway food stuff. Cricky, I don't know. I mean, I could go easy and say pizza because I love mm-hmm. pizza, but God, I eat too much of it and I shouldn't eat too much of it. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I love a good pad CU, mm. you know, um, just getting a good one is probably hard though, sometimes. And and one of the things I've um, discovered um, a bit recently is um, uh, like Middle Eastern food, especially yes. like where I live um, over the last couple of years is a lot of... Um, Middle Eastern um, restaurants and stuff close by, not not overly close by, but but you know it's so simple and fresh and whatever, and you know it's it's very like it and another version of Italian and and Greek and you know so they're all influenced by each other, you know, going back thousands yeah. of years, and it's great to be able to get those kind of um, freshnesses of of food here, which is kind of something that you know it was different in Ireland quite a bit, mm. you know. Absolutely, look, pizza's a great leveler, you know, you can. <laughs> These days, put just about anything on it. Yeah, but I'm 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 sort of old school. I remember going to New York the first time and sort of saying, "Yeah, this is pizza," you know. And mm. and we used to get this terrible thick crust stuff, which I can't stand because it's just like eating bread, you know. And yeah. the beauty of a good pizza is it's it's not wet and it's not overloaded with toppings and it has just the right combination of flavors. There's a great restaurant that opened near us about a year ago and. Um, it's called it's Napoli. It's called, and I think they're, they're the chefs had literally come off the boat, <laughs> so um, <laughs> or the plane as it is these days, and uh, and it's just perfect because like you order and yeah. and it's out in five minutes because that's how that's how hot. I mean, if you're using a proper uh, wood oven, like it was so hot in there that um, he left the pizza in there one time while we were there and and it caught on fire, you know. 
and and that just shows that just shows how hot these ovens can get. And if it's so hot yeah. in there and it's it's so crispy and it's out, it's cooked. The bread is cooked in five minutes or less, and uh, and it's just it's just beautiful when it's like that, you know. Man, now I'm drooling. And it this go, is not cool. goes away with red wine and beer as well, which is always oh, great. <laughs> yes. Can I ask, uh, vegetarianism forced upon you or a choice? <laughs> forced upon me. Um, it's uh, yeah, a choice, a choice. Mm-hmm. Many, many, many years ago. Yeah. It, it, and how how strict are you with your vegetarianism? Fish, yes. Fish, no. Uh, I fish no. I mean, if you if you if you eat fish, you're not a vegetarian, in my view. But look, I I I will admit that I do from time to time uh, try a fish dish, mm. um, which is probably a mistake. Um, most of the time, I just don't like it. But uh, yeah, when I when I went to Phuket a couple of years ago, someone said, "Oh, you gotta you know Thailand, you gotta have fish." Blah blah blah, and I was like, "Nah, nah." And then I said, oh, "I'll try it." And I tell you, the best part about it for me was actually the sauces. Yep. You know, I didn't I didn't really care that much for the actual content. I do acknowledge that there is a, a, a difference between a vegetarian straight that just eats veggies and those things, no meat, uh, and veggies that, uh, sorry, vegetarians that eat fish. I mean, they, they're Anglicans, aren't they? Sorry, pescatarians. Um, is, that, is that right? Um, you mean sort of vegetarians who claim to be vegetarians, but they eat fish all the time? Yeah, well, yes. Well, my so, my wife's like that. She calls herself a pescatarian, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't keep up. Give me a dead cow, I'll be fine. Uh, look, but it it comes down to that sort of idea of like what's black and white, you know? You you def- mm-hmm. you you define yourself, right? You define yourself. And, you know, if someone wants to call themselves a vegetarian but they eat fish, you know, I'll I'll say well that's not entirely true, but you know, if that's what makes you feel good, go for your life. Yeah, well, it, it you're right. It is all those various shades. Um in between that allow us to, to have the nuance and to be different and, and, you know, slightly, slightly accurate, slightly wrong simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. 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 Look, I mean, I, it, the funniest part for me is where you go out with people or you eat with people for the first time and they say, they start apologizing for you because they got a big steak or something in front of you. And you're like, don't apologize to me. <laughs> I don't care. You eat. You eat what you want. Apologize to your gut. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a cow that might want to hear your apology. Yeah. Well, I think the cows doesn't care at this point. But anyway, I do. I do subscribe to the idea that if you're going to kill something, at least bloody give it. Give it something. Do something worthwhile with it. You know. What one thing would you change about your life today? Uh. <laughs> Um, be controversial and say never get married, never have kids, <laughs> 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 and and you know I'm I'm joking, but I like to um, oh God, some 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 days it'd be great to be single, wouldn't it? Some days yeah. it would have its benefits. Yes. Yeah, yeah, a party every night, uh, sort of thing. But uh, at, at my age, I think the body can't put up with that so much anymore. So yeah, um. I, look, actually, um, first thing that comes to mind now, you should have sent me these questions in advance. I could have thought about long answers, um, like on Q&A or something like that, where they do. Um, I, 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 I had many false starts on doing um, exercise of various forms over the years, and the start of last year, I finally got into running, and I've kind of kept it up. Um, and I, I kind of wish I'd started 15 years sooner, I guess. 
though, if, though if I'd started 15 years sooner I might have no knees left by now I might be in a wheelchair so there is that too <laughs> That's right, the recipient of two knee replacements. Oh, are you? Oh, God. Oh, no, no, I'm not. Oh, I, I, no, I would be. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Not not, not cool. The, I, I look at some of these kind of long-distance runners, and I go, oh, God, the pain you must be mm. going through sometimes. Is, yeah, the, the fitness part of it is great. Um, but, yeah, it, it's tough on 40-plus-year-old uh, legs that haven't been taken care of for 40-plus years, you know what I mean? The really good news is that the tablet that I have been imagining for the last 20-something years of my life is now a reality. The tablet? Which, what do you mean by tablet? A drug that you can take to make you yeah. able to be fit without having to do any exercise? Well, I don't know about fit, but certainly help you lose weight without having to exercise. All oh, right, okay. I'm all for that. Well, well, that's good as a, as a starting point. I mean, I, like people go, oh, you shouldn't do that because it makes people lazy. Well, look. I think it's kind of good to help people get started. I think yeah. once you do that, once you use it, though, I think you then have to have the commitment to maintain it because that's the challenge for me. It's sure. like if I don't have a race to aim for, for example, with the running, um, it, it's hard for me to do more than two or three times a week, if if even yeah. that, right? And and I found that, you know, I finished the city to surf um, in, God, it was last month, yeah, um, and uh, awesome. didn't have it, didn't have anything planned, and and now I'm sort of maybe doing two twice a week, right? And I'm thinking, uh, I probably need to pick another race now and sort of train for that. Otherwise, I'm, yeah. you know, it's it's all going to fall apart again. Congratulations, man! The city to surf is a bit of a crack and run. Oh, uh, look, uh, that's the fourth time I've done it. Um, the first time I did it, I did a small bit of training when I was, oh, that would have been 10 or 15 years ago. And then I did it again about five or six years ago. And I kind of, I was actually got injured in the first kilometer because I didn't, oh I, did, I didn't train properly for it. So I ended up kind of walkie running it. And that was fine. Yeah. Um, last year I trained for it and I actually raised $1,200, I think, for the Kathy Freeman Foundation doing that, right. which, which was great. And got to meet Kathy Freeman at the end of it as well, which is, yeah, she's, obviously a bit of a hero for anybody here um she that that group actually does is kind of a thing to my own heart like that idea of being able to educate kids better um and uh and so that's kind of where they focus their efforts so um donating if i'm going to donate anything it's going to be to something like that and uh and um and so that was good and then this year because i i did a half marathon earlier in the year i said oh i've got to beat my time last year and and i did right but uh, not by as much as i'd like and the reason why i figured out was the next day when i woke up very sick the next day so (laughs) um i i pretty much did it while i was sick probably so that wasn't ideal but yeah but it's a it's a good you know it's a good race it's it's really it's a lot tougher than i probably give it credit for because like last year I did it and I thought oh this is pretty easy but then I'd done some good training for it and I think the end yeah. it's like anything you know if you train for it you, you'll you'll be able to do it I use that on my kids all the time I'm not sure they're <laughs> like for their for their musical instruments you know like some kids yeah. you see them and they're just constantly playing with them and you go well that that's it they, they, they'll be a player they'll know what to do um, but if you've got to constantly encourage them to practice then you know yeah, it's a, they're just doing it because it's a thing. I hear that. Mm. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? <laughs> uh, I don't know, mate. Ask me in 12 months. Um, I don't plan that far ahead. They, look, um, there's a couple of things I'm doing in work that, that would be good to get done. Um, yep. But um, I think from a work or a, a home style of thing, I'd like to be able to say... 
that um well i just bought a new car right and um i was yeah. convinced to buy by by herself um to buy something a bit better than i would have liked on the basis that oh we'll use it to do all these traveling to all these places around australia and i'm like okay i'm gonna hold you to that so yeah one of the places i'd really love to do a road trip to actually is um lake air in the center oh, of yeah. australia yeah especially around easter time uh when it when it floods generally yes. so um yeah maybe maybe that's probably um something worth aiming for the next 12 months yeah because I haven't done a haven't done a big trip around Australia for quite a while. Actually, we used to, I used to do a bit of that. Um, I remember I remember my um, second job in Australia while I was still backpacking, as we called it. Um, and I kind of explained the itinerary I was doing to the guy I was working for when I was leaving. And he said, "Okay, so about halfway through that trip, um, you would have seen more of Australia than me." And I've been living here for forty something years. So <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, you should get out more, man." It's really easy for us to forget that we have so many incredible things to go and see and do yeah. that are, look, to be fair, a day's drive away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm like on, um, I'm doing We Are Australia this week, that other um, Twitter account. Yep. I don't know if you've heard of it. And uh, and that's kind of interesting because I've got that whole anniversary in Australia, not being Australian originally, oh, yeah. I'm a citizen now, but uh, anniversary in Australia, you know, the footies on tomorrow night, that's going to be pretty um, strong and be trolling all the bogan from Geelong. Um, <laughs> I have some good mates with Geelong fans, so I should probably say that. Um, and, uh, and I'm going up to the Mid-North Coast here in New South Wales um, next week as well because it's school holidays here. Yep. And, um, and that, I'm looking forward to that because those, those sort of trips away are handy. Um, yeah. So staying by the lake, close to the beach, you know, I can just yes. kind of veg out for a few days. Yep. And then hopefully at the end of that, go to Melbourne for the grand final. All going well tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to win? Uh, I, you know, I just say hopefully the Swans. they got to play as well as they did last Saturday night. And if they do that, they should be all right. But we'll see. It's going to be a tough game. Will it be a GWS Sydney final? Oh, that would be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shouldn't be saying that because they've had the woodenness this year big time. They're, you know, they, they, they've beaten us yes. around the ball, which is kind of unusual for us to be seen doing that. Only Hawthorne have done that to us in recent years. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I'd like to think it's kind of going to be like 2005, 2006. In 2005, um, West Coast beat us in the first round, and then we beat mm. them in the grand final in 2006. It was the other way around. Um, and then it'd be nice if uh, we did meet them in the final and, and beat them. Yeah, because uh, that'd be nice. But, well, you know, I, 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 feel, I feel for the, um, the Bulldogs fans as well, you know, especially if oh, they yeah. lose tomorrow. But, yeah, you have to well, win that it. Would be, that would be a massive fairy tale for them, having the last time they were in a final was, what, 61? I think so, yeah. And they've never... I don't have they ever won it. I don't think they've ever won the grand final, have they? Oh, I don't know if they won. They were certainly in the final in 61. I can't... I'm not enough of a Bulldogs fan to know yeah. whether or not they won it. Yeah, yeah. But it's a long time between drinks. It is, and, you know... Um, you know, they... I, I, <laughs> I, you know, you have the South Melbourne-Sydney thing with the Swans, and that's always an interesting conversation because mm. I, I do... I, I, I'm in two minds about that whole, oh, 72 years since you won sort of thing. And I kind of go, yeah, well, that's all right. But it was really 24 years since they moved from S to Sydney. And, and that's kind of the bit that matters. And I know the people yeah. down in South Melbourne, the traditionalists don't like that. But the reality was, um, you know, it's a bit like, you know, the Fitzroy guys coming up to Brisbane as well. Like, you know, 
all you've left is your memories if you want to attach yourself to the new club that's that's great and and we appreciate it but you know the reality is that you know your club was dead and the only thing that kept it alive was actually being part of a new club you know yeah. and i get a lot of people are going to be shitty with me on that one but uh, that's how i think about it hey gavin yeah Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things that you said are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you, man. Thanks, mate. That's, that's a very nice thing to be saying to me. Oh, it's been wonderful to hear your opinion on things. I will offer that I will never be able to read your tweets again without thinking of them with this wonderful Irish lilt across them. <laughs> See, that's the problem. You know, when, you, when you meet people in real life for the first time, when you've been listening to them for ages and ages, you go, oh, that's what you look like. That's completely different from what I imagined, right? And I keep doing that. I listen to so many podcasts, and then every now and then you'll see a photo of the person on the other end, and you go, oh, really? Oh, okay, fair enough. Because <laughs> now I can't imagine your voice the same way. You know, Again, it, it's, a, it's a bit, bit weird, that one. Yeah. It is a bit crazy. You are a person that has the propensity to tweet. Do you have other social accounts you would want people to know about? Ah, uh, not really. I just use the same account on same name on Frank on um, Instagram, and uh, that's just random photos, I guess. A lot of coffee. Take a lot of photos of coffee and beer, and untapped. I like beer as well, so I don't drink as much of it as as I'd like, but probably a bit more than I should. So there is that, and I try and avoid the bad stuff. Which is the sort of thing that gets, uh, you know, people being terrible in pubs stroke Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and never drunk tweet people, okay? It's always a bad thing, right? Says you. It's great to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on what's going on, really. True. Mm. That is mm. that is very true. Mm. And how terrible people have been to me. <laughs> This has been Humans at Twitter, and I can confirm that at Frank Sting is indeed human.